We're going to be looking at some things today about being persuaded. And I hope that at the end of this, if some of you get persuaded that something that's been going on shouldn't be, and that you want prayer for it, that you'll ask. And that victory today will be yours. Glory be to God. We're going to be over in the book of Acts eventually. In Acts chapter 14, but just not right off the bat. There was this that was written only in America. Only in America can a pizza get to your house faster than an ambulance. Only in America are there handicapped parking places in front of a skating rink. Only in America do drugstores make the sick walk all the way to the back of the store to get their prescriptions while healthy people can buy cigarettes at the front. Only in America do people order a double cheeseburger, large fries, and a Diet Coke. Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and put our junk in the garage. Only in America do we use answering machines to screen calls and have call waiting so we won't miss a call from someone we don't want to talk to in the first place. And only in America do we buy hot dogs in packages of ten and buns, packages of eight. <laughs> well, we look at these things and only in America, some things just don't make sense. We just can't figure, why in the world, and you stand there, you take a look at it, you, you try and figure it out, you just can't figure it out. It just doesn't make sense. But we're talking about being persuaded. And sometimes we are persuaded by things that don't make sense and then we become persuaded elseways. In other ways. But we need to become persuaded by the things that God has said. Because the things that God has do make sense. The things that He says, the things He promises, do make sense. And when we get persuaded about the things of God and don't veer off to the left or to the right, but stay true and stay with it, glory to God, good things happen. Some time ago, we were in a series on healing. And in that series, we began to talk to you about unbelief and what unbelief was. That was about three years ago or so. And just to review some of that, we saw that unbelief, uh, the one way unbelief comes is from ignorance. Unbelief can come from just being ignorant of things. I don't know the truth. And so I'm in unbelief, but only because I don't know the truth. But if I don't know the truth, I can learn it. I can learn what the truth of the Word of God is. There's another way, and that's another type of unbelief, and that is rejection. This is where I know the truth, but I'm in rebellion. I know it, but I'm not receiving it. And I'm not doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm in rebellion. I heard someone say, this didn't come from me, but someone said this, and I thought it was good. Ignorance needs instruction. Rebellion needs discipline. Ignorance needs instruction. Rebellion needs discipline. You cannot cure ignorance with discipline. And you cannot cure rebellion with instruction. If we're in unbelief on something, we better find out why. Because if you try and cure rebellion with teaching, it won't happen. They're just going to rebel some more. 
noting it and having that in there. Ignorance or rebellion. Unbelief can come from any of those places. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13. See, my fruit will tell me where I am. If I'm in faith, my fruit will tell me. Verse 13 reads this way. Now many, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. When we are truly in faith, in a place of belief and not unbelief, there is joy and there is peace. And your life will show the fruit of joy and peace. See, you can place people real easy just by going up and talking to them. It's not hard to find out where people are at. Just go up and talk to them and find out. And, and sometimes we have been, especially in charismatic, full gospel, faith type churches, we get, we've, we've been so misled on some of these things. We think that the fruit is making sure we don't say what's wrong with us. How are you feeling today? Oh, I feel great. Oh, never better. Mm-mm, boy, things are so good. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. doesn't talk about denying. It talks about believing. It talks about joy and it talks about peace. There is nothing in the Word of God that says you have to deny what's going on in your body. It just says you need to look past it. That's all. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. You can go up to somebody and say, Hey, how have you been feeling? I know you've been battling that cold. Oh, brother. Oh, you don't know what a battle it's been. I have been fighting this so long and so hard. Oh, it just seems like every day it's a battle. But I believe that I'm going to come out on top. I believe that I'll get the victory over this thing. But just pray for me because it's so hard. (laughs) Now see, that person is not in faith. They're not in faith. Because it says right here, I didn't write this. I mean, it was in your Bible before you got here, wasn't it? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. When you are truly in faith and believing, folks, you are filled with joy and peace. Joy and peace. Believing. You don't have to deny that that cold is doing whatever it is or that flu or that fever or whatever it is that's bugging you. You don't have to deny it. But you see, when you are truly in faith, you are filled with joy and peace. If you're filled with joy and peace, folks, what comes out? Not gloom and despair. Go back to that old hee-haw song. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh, and they go one story after another. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> but you listen to some people, and that's the song they're singing, isn't it? Gloom and despair. That's not victory. We sing the song, victory is mine. You talk to some people, you think victory isn't at all. That you've got to battle on through it. Oh, you've got to fight on through. 
But that's not what we're called to do. He says right here, May the God of hope, hope is for what? Things future. Hope is for things that are future. You don't hope for what you have. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. When you are truly believing on a matter, you are filled with joy and peace. Now you're believing because it's not here yet. You don't believe to receive what you already have. Hope is future. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. There was a lady who went to a therapist. The therapist told her that the way to achieve true inner peace is to finish what you start. So she said, so far today I have finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake. <laughs> Peace and joy, right? <laughs> oh, but no. True joy and peace is found in believing. When you are truly in a place where you are in faith and you are believing, you will find that you have joy and peace. If your life is lacking for whatever thing that you're, you're, you're in, you've got worry and anxiety and such things like that, you are not in a place of faith, you are not in a place of believing, you are someplace else. Because if you are truly believing, the Word of God says that God fills you with joy and peace. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another." A long time ago, we walked into futility of our mind. Verse 18 said, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. There are some things that we are ignorant on and it's alienating us from the life of God. We need to get into a place of belief. Just because you are ignorant of a truth and are not in walking in faith and belief does not mean that God bypasses things to give you joy and peace. You want to have the joy and peace that God promises? Find out what you need to know. Believe it and walk in that way. Another verse over in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. There are times God overlooks ignorance. It's not good to be overlooked. God, we don't want to be overlooked. I mean, thank God that He does overlook some things because of our ignorance. But there comes a time when God says, you know what, you've been ignorant for a while. You should be past that by now. Let's go. There is a difference between being ignorant of a thing and being lazy and just not finding out what the truth of God's Word is on the matter. 
1 Timothy 1, verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because He counted me faithful putting into ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. He was ignorant. But he, one day he became knowledgeable of those things. God stopped him on the road. He became knowledgeable of it. He was no longer ignorant. And he walked in the light of that. 1 Peter 1, verse 13, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. ignorance. We didn't know better. But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, Be holy for I am holy. There's a benefit to not being ignorant. To not walking in ignorance. There's a benefit to learning some things and finding out those things, putting them to practice, then moving on. It doesn't do us any good to learn stuff and not, not work it. Just because we were ignorant, we're not ignorant now. If we're not doing it, then I'm no longer in unbelief because of ignorance. I'm in unbelief because of rebellion. Now, in Matthew, church, uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 54, And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters... Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all things, all these things? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. Now he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. unbelief. So is this, is this unbelief, rebellion, or ignorance? Well, if it's ignorance, how do you handle it? You teach. If it's rebellion... Discipline. Discipline. Those are the two ways to do it. You can't mix it up. Over in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, But he could do there no mighty work except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in the circuit teaching. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. And the reason he starts this now is because, well, they're not accepting it from me. So we'll send these guys. He's trying to bypass their problems so they can get the thing. He's trying to teach them through their ignorance. And if they are rebelling because he's familiar, well, we'll give them someone else. Then they don't have that excuse. But of course, they still didn't. There was uh, some ignorance there, but there's a whole lot of rebellion. In Numbers chapter 13 verse and 14, We're not going to go there. You can go there and review this story if you want to. We've covered it a number of times. But there we have outright rebellion where the children of Israel had the uh, spies that came on back and they, they all 12 spies saw the same land, saw the same fruit, saw the same city, saw the same people, saw the same army, saw the same things. And 10 of them came back and said, oh, we can't do it. And two of them came back and said, oh, yes, we can. And the people became persuaded with the 10. And they decided to rebel and not to go into land. And God didn't say they were ignorant. He said they were they rebelled. And many times that story is looked at in other places in the New Testament. And it's called the rebellion. They were rebelling. Rebellion is going against what I know to do. Ignorance is not involved because I know what to do. 
But understanding may be limited due to a lack of diligence. I may not understand it all, but I haven't been diligent with what I do understand. And that would still seem to be rebellion. Israel was persuaded to rebel and not to go up by the ten spies. And then the next day, they decided, well, no, we will go up. So they they were persuaded again to rebel and, and to go up. So you see, one day they're persuaded to go this way, and another day they're persuaded to go another way. Persuasion is not always good. Sometimes, folks, we are persuaded to move off of the stand we have by what we see, by what we hear, by what we feel. We get persuaded to move. Stop being persuaded by things like that. Remember last week we said, whatever it is that you see is temporary. Whatever I can see, the Word of God told me, it's temporary. If I see it, it's temporary. Stop being persuaded by temporary things. Be persuaded by eternal principles. By what the Word of God says. That's what we need to do. In Acts chapter 14, told you we would eventually get there. That was all just review of stuff we learned a few years ago. A couple of years have gone by. Some of you may have forgotten it. Hopefully not. But here in Acts chapter 14, verse 1, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. This is Paul and Barnabas. And so spoke with a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brethren. So we have a mixed group of Gentiles and Jews. And in that mixed group of Gentiles and Jews, some of them believed. Some Gentiles and some Jews. And then some people did not believe. I would have to assume that some of the people who did not believe were also of both groups. And so what you had was some of the unbelieving Jews decided to go over and stir up some of the Gentiles. Well, there probably were Gentiles who didn't believe and they stirred them up. And they poisoned their minds against the brethren it would seem that the ones who believed probably couldn't have been poisoned as easily. But the ones that were on the fence or not, you know, thinking about it or whatever, they, they got in their mind. How do you poison the mind of one? You tell them things. You begin to say things to them to persuade them. Now, how many people here would volunteer to have their minds poisoned? We wouldn't do it, would we? So how is it that people can get, get their minds poisoned? Because they don't recognize that it's poison. They think it's okay. They think it's alright. So if this happened back here, don't you think it can happen today? That people today can be persuaded, poisoned in their minds against the truth? And people are getting poisoned against the truth. And don't think it's just because, you know, well, we're faith people, so that's not us. No, faith people can be poisoned against the truth too. Surely we can. Because sometimes while I tried that, it didn't work. What happened to your mind? It got poisoned against that, didn't it? In other words, I see that as poison. I see that as bad. Even though it may not be. It may be good. Therefore, they stayed there a long time. <laughs> That just doesn't seem to fit, does it? But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. So they stayed there a long time. 
Well, I guess they stayed there a long time to try and undo the poisoning effect. Speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness in the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So they weren't just using persuasive words. There were signs and wonders. People were being healed. Great things, miracles being done. But the multitude of the city was divided, part sided with the Jews and part with the apostles. Well, this would be the Jews that were unbelieving that were poisoning the minds of the others. So the whole city was becoming divided this way. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. So after a long time being in there because of the poisoning of the minds, we suppose, they decided because of all the rebellion and they're ready to stone them to go someplace else. How many of you would have decided this a long time ago? Verse 8, And in Lystra a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now this is an amazing story right here, because it's not like the one where they grabbed the guy and they pulled him up. This is the guy who sat there in a meeting and he listened to the words that Paul was talking about with faith and believing. He said, oh, but that, that means I can walk. That means that I can be healed. And when Paul was looking at him, he could kind of tell this, this, man's take, this man is taking it in. This man is understanding. This man is going from a place of being persuaded that he would be lame the rest of his life to a place of being persuaded that he could be healed. He could see it. He could see that the man was, was yielding this way and was receiving the Word of God. And so he looked over to him and he said, Stand up on your feet. How many of you out there, if you put yourself in his shoes, would say, But I can't walk. <laughs> Wouldn't we do that? But I can't do that. I, I can't. I, that's, that's why I'm here. I can't walk. I need you to lay hands on me. I need you to you know, grab me, pull me up, something. But he doesn't do that. Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. <laughs> He's never walked before. Never walked before. Don't most people have to learn how to walk? When the babies come out, do they know how to walk? You've got to carry them around for a while, don't you? And then uh, you, you start training them. You start doing some things to help them to, to learn how to walk. And then eventually, you know, to, to the... Um, bewilderment of, of every mom, they begin to walk. Your moms don't want them to walk. That's how it was in our house. Mom, not, no, don't walk. Me, walk. Go. <laughs> Fly, be free. <laughs> Come on. You know, the, the moms like them to be cute and little and hold them and, and things like that. And, and the dads are out there. Come on, we got to go out and play ball. Come on, you got you to do this first. So it takes some time to teach them how to walk. This guy didn't have to learn. He leaped. He leaped. And he walked. They ought to make a movie about this story. You know, they made that movie, White Man Can't Jump. How about this one? Lame People Can't Leap. That'd be the name of the movie. But apparently they can. 
Now, when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Conian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Well, if you're going to call Barnabas Zeus, folks, he's not a bystander. We only hear about Paul, but Barnabas apparently had something going on. They called him Zeus. I don't know if you know much about Greek history and uh, the, the Greek gods and the Roman gods, but uh, Zeus was over Hermes. <laughs> so that, that tells you what their impression of this team was. Now we know that it all started off, you know, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, and eventually became Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of their city, brought oxen and, garland, and, and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. Well, they're the priest of Zeus, and they're calling this guy Zeus. So we should why sacrifice in the temple? Let's bring it right out here. Here's where he is. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in what he did. And what he did good gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing to them. Can you imagine having a meeting that was so successful that it decided that you guys were gods? <laughs> that you guys, you, you guys are gods. And instead of sacrificing here in the temple, we're going to bring it right out here. I would think that means that they like them. Wouldn't you? I would think that means that they like them. They became persuaded that they were gods. They're gods. We got Zeus and Hermes. Wow. They saw the signs. As far as we know, there's only one sign, but there must have been other things. But we just hear about the one. So here they all are, persuaded. They're gods. Verse 19, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. You just think there's got to be a chapter or two missing. <laughs> you, you read this. Here they are. They, they can barely stop them from sacrificing, seeing them as gods. And the next verse, how do you do that? How, how do you go from that? Well, see, anything that's not based on the Word of God, folks, is based on things that are temporary. Temporary things disappear. And whatever they base their faith on, that saw them as gods, was able to be disappeared, gone, made to vanish. Because these folks from the previous city came on in and persuaded. How'd they persuade? Same way they did before. They poisoned their minds. They put things in their mind. doesn't matter if the things are true. doesn't make any difference. All that matters is that we create in their minds the doubt that we want to do. That's why I'm always against our news media the way they are because they're always trying to create doubt and crisis 
in fear constantly. Situation after situation after situation in this world and all they want is people to doubt God, be in fear, refuse it. Don't do it. However, when the disciples gathered around Him, He rose up and went into the city. See, that's another verse that just makes you think that we missed the whole chapter. <laughs> something else had to happen. They had to be in a different city or something. Why in the world would you get raised up from the dead and go back into the same city? They just killed you. And you're going to go back in there? Hey, how you doing? Wasn't that the... I thought we killed him. Looks like we killed him. I mean, if you just got done being stoned, folks, you don't look good. You might be walking, but you don't look good. You know, just picture, picture Jack Bauer at the end of the 24-hour day. He doesn't look good. He's bleeding all over. You know, he's messed up. We haven't had a shower. We've been in oil and mud and dirt and we've been shot and knifed and hit and hung upside down and dragged by cars and I mean it's just not a good day he doesn't look good at the end of that no matter which what no matter what season you go to at the end of it he does not look good don't imagine Paul going through a stoning he does not look good he kind of sticks out when you're going through he walks back into the city there he is he, he he looks like he should be dead. He's not dead. You would think that would spark these people to be persuaded another way. Since they were persuaded so quickly before. So he went into the city and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Darby. In other words, he's saying, you guys aren't telling me to go. I go on my own. Tomorrow, I decided to leave. Not today. I mean, that takes guts. If you go in there and you leave the next day, what's that mean? You slept there. <laughs> Means you slept there. Paul says, you, are, you all are not persuading me. I'm not persuaded by you guys. I'm persuaded by something different. You don't persuade me to leave. You don't persuade me to stay. If God tells me to leave, I'll go. But in the meantime, I'm staying. Verse 21, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. He's returning to the cities where all these people are all stirred up to get him. Why is he, why is he returning? How many of you, if you were part of the ministry team, you know, cause it's not just Paul and Barnabas, you got, you know, ushers, you know, catchers, you know, we, we got the, uh, we got the, uh, the advertising committee. We got the door to door committee. We got the follow up committee. We got all these people, you know, and they're, they're all there. How many of y'all, if you're on those teams, Paul, there's other cities. We don't have to go back to those. It really, it wasn't good for us back there. And you know, maybe they'll get tired. They can't kill you. They're going to come after us. That's just a possibility. But it seems that God said, no, I want you to go on back to, because the guy, he would say, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? Well, I want you to go back there and strengthen those people up. And Paul goes, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must go through many tribulations. We, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> like the ones you went through? <laughs> Those kind? <laughs> That's what we had to look forward to? How many of you feel encouraged? I mean, we're supposed to be going back to encourage the people. <laughs> 
So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. When they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that He had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. We see in this chapter a lot of persuading going on. The people get persuaded, oh, you guys are gods. And then we're stoning them. The people become persuaded and they believe and then others come along and poison their minds. And they're going back and forth. But James talks about people who are double-minded, who are going back and forth on things. And he said, let that double-minded person not think they will receive anything from the Lord. We're not to be double-minded. We're, we're to find out what the Word of God says and believe it and hold on to it. And that's it. This is what the Word of God says. This is how I'm supposed to behave. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is it. We've got to be persuaded... But once we're persuaded, we need to make sure I don't get persuaded back. But this is what happens with some folks. Though they, they study the Word of God and they find out, oh, healing is mine. Healing is mine. Oh, if I just get hands laid on me, I know. I know. Healing is mine. And so the, they get hands laid on and they go up from there. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. I, healing is mine. I'm healed. I'm healed. And then, you know, two days later, they start to feel, oh, 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 I thought that was gone. And then the enemy comes along to poison your mind. And what's he begin to do? You thought it was gone. It just, it never went anywhere. It's still there. You're st- it's still the same way it was. Boy, it sure feels like it's the same way it was. Oh, man. And we begin to go on and then we find other people. And other people. And, oh, what's wrong with your back? Oh, I got prayed for. I know, I was in church and I saw you prayed for. I, I, I thought you got healed. I, I thought so too, but oh, it was hurting today. Oh, it's mm, boy, it feels it feels so sore. Oh, I knew someone like that too. Then they got one front, and it was good for two days, and then it was sore. It was pain the rest of their life. They died that way. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that encouragement. <laughs> At least I have something to look forward to now. But we get persuaded the other way around. Why is it that we can go back and forth? We ought to, you know, type into Elijah's words. Why in the world go back and forth between two opinions? If Baal's God, serve him. If God, if Jehovah is God, serve him. Stop with all this. Let's just get it all done and over with. We'll have two altars. Whoever's got answers by fire, he's God. And so all those folks stood there and they watched the one altar. Nothing happened, nothing happened, nothing happened. And then Elijah says, all right, go get some water, pour it over top. And they all saw fire come down from heaven and consume the offering, lick up the water and consume the stones. How many of that would persuade you? And it did for some for a day. And then they're right back again. The things that we see, the things that we hear, and the things that we feel will not persuade us for any length of time. And if we continue to rely on what we see, what we feel, what we hear, 
to persuade us, we will be just like the people in Acts chapter 14 who are on this side and then they're on that side. And then they're over here and then they're over there. And then they're over here. We've got to stop that. God does not want double-minded people. Decide. Either God is God or He's not. Either God's the God of healing or He's not. Either God's the God who answers prayer or He's not. Either God's the God who moves mountains or He's not. What is it? Which way do you go? And then when stuff comes in, you just look at it just like Acts chapter 14. No, no, no. You're coming into poison my mind. I don't, I don't receive that poison. No, 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 no. That's not happening for me. No, no. I believe what the Word of God said. I believe it. And you see, faith, the fruit of faith, fruit of believing is joy and peace. And peace. You'll have joy and you'll have peace. Glory to God. If you don't have joy and peace, you are not in faith, you're not in believing. But you can get there. You can get there. And the things that you're going against, the things that you're facing, they will change. First off, you've got to be persuaded that that'll happen. And then secondly, you've got to make sure you don't get unpersuaded. Become persuaded by the Word of God. Become persuaded by the things that He promised us in His Word. And then don't be unswayed by the things that you hear. Doctor comes in and gives you a bad report. The things that you see, well, here's the x-ray. The things that you feel, oh, I, I knew I felt something there. Oh, it's, mm. I was wondering what it was. And yeah, that, that's it right there. Yeah. Don't, don't be doing it. Which way are you persuaded? Once you get persuaded, stay on the side of faith. Don't sway off of it. Well, I thought that by now I would have had the thing. I thought that by now that would have been done. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be, be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. Now understand that's not a blank check to write out whatever it is that you say. It's a blank check to, that whatever you say that you believe and don't doubt. That you believe and the time you say it, you have it. If you believe that the thing that you're saying is yours now, then you're filled with joy and peace because of your believing, because of your faith. Joy and peace. Filled with it. Doesn't mean you have to go around saying, of course I'm healthy. Of course that thing is done. Oh no, not bothered by that at all. Doesn't mean you have to do that. What it means is, I told that thing to go and it has no choice but to go. It doesn't matter whether I feel it. It doesn't matter what the doctor says to me about it. All that matters is, I said it. I believe it. I don't doubt it in my heart. And the Word of God says that whatever things I say, I will have. And be filled with joy and peace. Don't be in there for anxiety, being anxious about the thing. If you're going along and you keep feeling that pain, you keep feeling that sickness, you keep suffering from that disease, you keep just, I'm filled with joy and peace. Glory to God. Filled with joy and peace. Don't get in there and start entertaining. Well, maybe it didn't go. Maybe I got to say it again. Maybe I got to tell that thing to go again. No. I got the victory. 
Victory's mine. I'm not going that way. I'm not going to think that way. The song says, victory is mine. Victory is mine. Not tomorrow. <laughs> not next week. Victory is mine today. Today. That's how I got to see it. I've got to be become pers- persuaded. Convinced. No, victory is mine today. It's mine, to- it's mine today. I have victory. It's mine. I believe. Joy and peace. Joy and peace. Glory to God. Joy and peace. Faith and believing is not so much a matter of persuasion as it is one of obedience. Through all this time looking at persuasion, folks, it's not such a matter of persuasion as it is obedience. You do have to get yourself to a point that you become persuaded to believe. But then from there on out, just obey. Just obey. Well, I'm kind of thinking that it might be this way. I'm kind of thinking that, you know, maybe, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's this way and, no, just obey. What did God say to you to do? Just go back. I mean, Mark 11, 22 and 23, it's simple. It's simple. Jesus is not wordy. He gave, this is the things to do. So you're just going back. Did I do that? I did. That means it's done. Glory to God. It's done. If you haven't gone on back and read Brother Hagin's story that he had when he got healed. It didn't happen in a day. But glory to God, it happened. Lived to 85 years old. Wasn't supposed to live beyond 16. He learned some principles. He learned some things. And we can, we can learn them too. And we can do them. There is nothing in my life that faith cannot overcome. There is no mountain in my life that cannot be moved. None. None at all. Every mountain in my life can be moved. Every obstacle that I face can be overcome. Every challenge I can be victorious in. Every one. Every one. And if you have trouble with that, get back into the Word of God. It does us no good, folks, to keep on learning the Word, 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 and not doing it. We've got to do it. We've got to come to a point where we just say, you know what, I'm just going to do what God's Word said. I'm just going to obey. I'm just going to do it. It hasn't worked out. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to obey. And just obey them. Just obey them. Stop being persuaded by the people, by the situations, by the doctors, by the reports, by the letters, by the things that keep coming to you. Stop being persuaded by them. Be persuaded by God. What does His Word say? That's what His Word said. All right, that's what I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to hang on to. And when you talk to people about that situation, I don't have to lie to them and say, oh, of course it's all gone. But I've got joy and peace all on the inside of me. And so when I talk about it, it's just joy. It's just peace. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's all we got to do. I don't got to sit there and, and uh, deny what's happening, what's going on. No. I don't have to say, how did the doctor visit go? Oh, phenomenal. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Mm. Oh, I can't wait to go back again. It was so good. I'll tell you. <laughs> we don't have to do that. It doesn't matter. 
You see, the problem is we always are trying to change the report. You don't have to change the report. What you have to change is the interpretation of it. When the 12 spies came back from the land of Israel, they all had the same report. They were unified in their report. They all said, truly, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. Truly, the cities are there. Houses. It's a prosperous land. But the uh, giants are there. Did Caleb and Joshua say, no, 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 there's no giants. None. No giants. No. No, no, we were there. No giants. They didn't say that. Yeah, there's giants there. But they're nothing. They're nothing. The problem is not the report. Stop trying to change the report. The problem is the interpretation. Now that doctor comes out and he gives you the best report he can. This is, this is what the x-ray shows. This is what the blood test shows. This is what's there. It means you're going to die. Alright, well I can see the report, but I'm not, that's not the right interpretation. I think you're interpreting that wrong. <laughs> but I don't have to deny the report. The report is, the report is the report. There's giants in the land. There's big walled cities. That's the report. But the interpretation is, I can't overcome the walled cities. I can't beat the giants. Ah, that's just the interpretation. It's, don't keep, you, you're, Satan has his focus on the reports. We want to change the report. Oh, I gotta get a, I'm gonna go to the doctor, I'm gonna get a good report. Who cares? Who cares if you get a good report or a bad report? Because a report is seen and is therefore temporary. temporary. It's temporary. How many times have you heard people that have gotten a report from the doctor and a week later the report changed? We don't know where it went to. It's gone. It, it was there. Joe, didn't you see? It was, yeah, I saw it. It was there, but it's gone. I don't know what happened to it. It's gone. You don't have to change the report. You don't have to get mad at the report. The report's not the problem. It's the interpretation of the report. Father God, I thank you. No matter what they found on that x-ray, you're greater. I thank you. Whatever they found on that MRI, you're greater. No matter what that blood test came back and, and showed, you are greater. I don't accept their interpretation. I hear the report. But I don't accept their interpretation. No matter what situation you're in, folks, you send a bunch of people into it, you're going to have ten people who come out and see bad and two people who come out and see good. Just like Israel had. No, 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 come on. We, we are well able to overcome. We are well able to go up and take the city. We're well able to do it. No, no, they, they all accepted the first. They accepted the interpretation. God doesn't want us to do that. Folks, you can become persuaded that God is able to overcome whatever you face. He has a number of ways in which He does it. He says the name of Jesus. He says speak to the mountain. He said have hands laid on you. Have the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation and receive from them. Have the ministry gifts that are in operation in the body of Christ that God has given be in operation and receive from them. And we have examples of people, some drew off of the ministry gifts, some drew off of the gifts of the Spirit, some 
went and, and drew off of the name of Jesus. Some spoke to the mountain. Some received power when hands were laid upon them. And it didn't seem to bother God which way they were healed. But they were in a spot where they said, I know, if only I may touch the hem of His garment, I know I'll be healed. I'm lined up here of just a shadow of Him passing by. I'll be healed. If I get that cloth that came from Him, I know I'll be healed. If I just get to one of Jesus' meetings, blind Bartimaeus, if Jesus just ever came by in my city and came down my street, I know I could get His attention. I would get healed. Everyone was different. How are you persuaded that your situation is going to change? Don't sit there and say, just wait for God. Well, God will do something sooner or later. No, how are you persuaded? How's it going to happen? Are you going to speak to your mountain? Are you going to believe and use the name of Jesus? Stand on His Word. Are you going to say, I know if hands are laid upon me, I will receive. How is it that you will overcome it? Glory to God. That doesn't matter. God did not say, speak to this mountain. And Peter didn't chime up, chime up and say, yeah, how about this one over here? Well, that's a little taller than I was talking about. But come on, Peter. I was talking about little, little mountains. Jesus didn't do it. There, every single incurable disease in Jesus' day, Jesus cured. Even people that were dead. Up till then, people thought that couldn't be cured. Apparently, Jesus had something this different to think about. How do you believe that you'll receive it? How have you been persuaded? And once you get yourself persuaded there, don't be persuaded back. Don't move off of it. How is it going to be done? Y'all stand up with me. Now, how many here have a situation, have a mountain, have something in your life that you need to overcome? A few of you. All right, you got a situation you got to overcome. How many know how you're going to overcome it? A few less. <laughs> All right, you know how you're going to, you're going to speak to it. You're going to have hands laid on you. Already have had the hands laid on you. Use the name of Jesus, whatever it is, already done. How many folks, you've got a situation, you've got a mountain, but you do not know what you're going to do with that mountain yet? Anybody? All right, one. This is where you need to become persuaded. What? See, no one else can persuade you. Other people can come up. This is why I don't call for people to come up for prayer. Because if I call you up for prayer then you're coming because I called you or somebody else called you or something like that. Jesus, you know, they, when we told you the stories, they would plop lame people down in front of them. Jesus would say, what do you want me to do? Deaf people. Blind people. It didn't matter. They'd be there. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. All right. That's fine. You never said, oh, that's too much. Oh, I, no, I can't do that. Come on. Give me something. No. Oh. But he'd always ask them, what do you want me to do? Because we need to be in a place where we are persuaded and we say like the woman did. I know. I am persuaded that if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. Blind Bartimaeus throws away his blind garment because he knows when I get in front of Jesus, this is over. The buddies of a man rip open a neighbor's roof. 
Because they say, if we lower him down, we know no one will ask us why we did it. How? Are you persuaded? If you're not persuaded yet, then you need to get persuaded. And understand, it don't take long to get persuaded. You can be persuaded fast. But get persuaded. How and where is my faith? What am I going to do? Because when Jesus taught in Mark 11, 22, 23, if you say that this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, there's a specific plan. You have a particular mountain and a particular goal and how it's going to go about. It isn't just mountain, do something. Because you don't know if it did it or not. You got to know. So you got to be persuaded. If you get persuaded by listening to some of the things that were in the scriptures here, and you're persuaded now, I know. Then stand up and say, alright, if we do this, you got the body of Christ here, let's go. We'll do it. If you're not persuaded yet, then get persuaded. I cannot put you in a place to receive if you're not persuaded. Neither can you. But you can get there, and you can get there fast. It don't take months and years. It takes minutes, hours at best if you apply yourself. It'll, it'll get, get, and it's, it's not like, well, God, how is it that you want this thing? No, how can you believe it? How can you believe it? What, what do you have faith to believe? Well, I need this thing to, to go away. Do you, my faith is that this procedure is going to work. Well, then there you go. There's your procedure. There's your, there's your faith. What is it that you want? And then you go on out there and you speak that thing. I believe when this thing is done, I will have no more pain. I will have no more sickness. I will have no more disease. This thing will be over. I believe that. Because I put myself in a place to be persuaded. And I've received. We've been on this for about 11 weeks now. You ought to become persuaded in some things. You ought to be ready to speak to some mountains. If you've been listening to stuff from the Word of God about speaking to mountains for 11 weeks and are still looking at your mountain, dear Lord, come on. That's got to change up. Changed up. Let's speak to that thing. Now, I'm talking, not saying that everybody has a situation here today that's been ignoring it for 11 weeks. You're going to have a, week, a situation just came up this week. And you're going to speak to it. Glory to God. Get it out of the way. But there's some situations and we need to, to have it go. Abraham had his situation. took 25 years. But that's mostly on him. But we didn't get to talk about this. But you remember when God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, walk before me and be blessed. And out of Abraham's mouth comes doom and gloom. What good is life? My heir is some guy in Damascus. and I don't even want him to be an heir, but that's all I got. How can it be any good? There's no kid. I have no kid. I have no child. I have no one to be heir. Is that joy and peace? Where was he at? He wasn't in faith. But God took us, took him some, God spent some time with him, got him to a place to he, he expected it. God wants us to be victorious. He wants our mountains to go away. He wants our things that we face to be changed. I want you to have a plan. I want you to know. Write it down. I want to hear some testimonies of some people. I spoke to this thing and it changed. I spoke to it. It, it changed. We want to hear some testimonies. We're not up here just to, you know, talking about all this stuff to have nothing happen. It needs to impact your life. You need to put it to work. What's going on? 
Are you calling for any change at all? And if so, what's happening? Doesn't have to be the big things. Start speaking to some, some other... Not, not every mountain is huge. We've got some other things going on. Speak to them. What's your plan of attack? What's the, what is it that you got from the Word of God? Ah, I see how this one faced that. This is how I can do it. If you don't have a, a, a plan, don't know what the Scripture says, talk to someone who can help you. Find out. Get yourself in that place. If you're here this morning and you got yourself in a place where I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready and then this is what I need. And you need to come up here in the front for someone to do something with you. Then come on up. If it's something you need to do at home, then go on home and do it. But whatever it is, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever it is that he says. Do you believe it? Father God, we thank you that our lives change. They change for the better. That constantly things come against us to pull us down, to drag us down, to harm us, to take away. But Father, your word is alive on the inside of us. We see some people who had some aspirations, had some dreams, had some things that were far out in the future and took years and years and years to get there. Some people who had some things changed instantly. But we cannot base our faith on what we see, what we hear, what we feel. We cannot keep waiting for the report to change in order to believe. We need to believe first. Refuse interpretations that are against your word and against what we're believing. And stand in, in the realm of faith. So, Father, I thank you for the help that you give us. That we shall overcome everything in our life. We will not ma- be made to feel inadequate inferior but we are more than conquerors we are more than able to overcome and father we thank you for it we give you the praise and the glory that this day we see things changing in our our lives we will overcome everything the enemy throws our way we will not be undone father we thank you for it in the name of jesus we pray amen